Welcome to the Table Talk with Tati podcast. In this episode, we are continuing the conversation on love and relationships, but today we are joined by Brie Gordon, speaker and author of Black Coffee, who is on a mission to help women refine, refill, and rediscover their identity after toxic relationships. After spending 10 years in an on and off relationship, which later resulted into a short-lived marriage, then divorce, Brie left emotionally and mentally empty, but then found her way to pulling back the layers of her own trauma and roots of dysfunction. In today's episode, we completely pull back the cover and air out how generational curses, shame, and not asking for help have impacted our relationships over the years. Whether you're staying in a toxic, dysfunctional situationship for the sake of your kids, or trying to identify the signs of generational myths, this show is just for you. So hold on tight, because this is a conversation that will completely shake the way we've been viewing ourselves as women, living, dating, and navigating relationships in today's society. Let's get to it. It's Natasha Toddy Weston, entrepreneur, content creator, and three times best-selling author. Let's scratch the titles. I'm just the girl next door. If you follow me on social media, you know I'm all about being an open book, bringing current events from the real world and my world to the table to give my sisters from other misters insight, wisdom, and real talk about life, business, and all that other ish. The reason I created Table Talk with Toddy is because I've spent the last decade mostly online talking to people, more specifically millennial women all around the world about the ups and downs that come with building a brand, being a mom, and having a personal life. And what I eventually realized was that we all have many of the same questions, curiosities, and challenges. So here we are. On the Table Talk with Toddy podcast, we'll laugh, we'll cry, and I'm pretty sure we'll be pouring it up together on many occasions. It's about time that you got a relatable, unapologetic view on life as a creative living in the 21st century. On this show, you'll hear from some of my close friends, family, and guests that I've learned a thing or two from over the last decade. Get ready for some ahas, mm-hmms, and yes girls, because at this table, nothing, and I mean nothing, is off limits. Be sure to subscribe to the Table Talk with Toddy podcast right now on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to leave a rating and review. Welcome to the show, Bree. Thank you so much for taking time out today to hang with us. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so super excited about our conversation. I am as well. So, you know, it's February and the topic of choice this month seems to be love and relationships. Now, during our last episode, we were joined by relationship expert Dominique Clark. So if you guys haven't listened to that episode, go back after you listen to this one and check it out. It was really amazing. And we focused on really self-love and how it sets the foundation for us to manifest the types of relationships that I believe we all desire 
at some point in time in our lives. Now, let me bring y'all up to speed on how Bree and I met because you guys have been following me for a while. You know that I typically only invite people on this show who I've had interaction with that I feel like has made an impact in my immediate life and that I feel like will also make an impact in y'all's life. So Bree and I crossed paths back in November. You guys remember when I did the Lunch With Us event in Atlanta with Katrina. Uh, Brie was one of the attendees and we had a good handful of people that came, but one thing in particular that stood out to me about Brie was that she didn't mind being transparent. And she's also a huge advocate for a lot of the underlying issues that cause us is, I want to say black women, the dysfunctions that we tend to encounter as women in relationships. So when I found out that Brie was writing a book called Black Coffee, you guys go and order it. I knew I had to invite her here on the show to have a very much needed conversation about these dysfunctions and how we can overcome them. But this wasn't the only thing, you guys, that confirmed the incredibly urgent presence of Bree here today. It was a post she made on Instagram. So you guys follow her. I'll include her information in the description. She made a post on Instagram that honestly, you know how you read one of those posts and it kind of makes you cringe, but in a good way. So you posted something that said, too many women are hurting and not enough talking. And I want us to have that conversation today because this week is far, well, at least in my opinion, is less about Valentine's Day and more about healing from within so that one day, if it's in God's will in the future, more women around the world will be able to truly enjoy this celebrated time of the year, whether it's with a significant other or with their other single girlfriends. So before we jump in, I want Bree to tell us a little bit about herself, just so you guys can kind of get to know um, her background and her history. So Bree, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, Natasha. So first, let me just say it was a pleasure meeting you. <laughs> some gems um, when I met you and I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to reconnect. Likewise. Um, so yeah, so I am a woman first. Um, previously, if you had met me, I would have said I'm a wife first, I'm a mom, I'm all of these things. But on this journey, I learned that I'm a woman first who delights in her roles as mother, friend, sister, auntie, cousin, all of those other roles. And so I am a firm believer that um, conversations can lead to awakening, can lead to transition and change. And so that's what this whole movement about. That's why you see me post those types of things about having those types of important conversations. And that's what the Black Coffee movement, my book, is about having those urgent conversations to heal and get to the next level. Absolutely. And and I love what you said about conversations and how they lead to awakening, transition, and change. That's very true. I think conversations scare people. <laughs> um, <laughs> a texting, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, we've just become so accustomed to like text messaging and just virtual relationships, which we still have conversations. But I do think that conversations are... I feel like becoming a little more accepted because we're in this whole authenticity and transparency era. Um, but it's still a very hard, a very challenging, challenging thing to do. But your mission is to help women to discover the difference between love and dysfunction. So let's start there. What would you say is the major difference between the two? Oh, I would say, um, so I do have a few principles that I go off of. Okay. So I would say that um, 
the difference between the major difference, the core of it all is that a loving relationship is about commitment, whereas a dysfunctional relationship is about convenience. Ooh, yeah. So, um, so when you are truly and utterly in love or love a person, you love them um, through and through and not necessarily in a way that they can, you know, abuse you. Mm-hmm. But you are committed to uh, being in their life. You're committed to accepting their boundaries. You're just committed to them um, as a whole. But in a dysfunctional relationship, it's more so about the convenience of another person. So mm-hmm. what can I get from you? Is it your status? Um, is it your money? Is it your time? But there is a uh, different agenda right. based on what a loving relationship um, is about and founded on. Right. Wow. So when I was doing a little bit more back back research on you and kind of your story and your mission, um, those two things definitely stuck out to me because I think oftentimes when we think about love, we try to disregard dysfunction. Oh, yeah. And dysfunction can make or break the love (laughs) if you're not careful. And so I wanted to bring that point up first, just so that, you know, the listeners could kind of keep that in the forefront of their minds as we have this conversation to know that there is a major difference and you can't have one without identifying the other. So that's very, very, very important. So earlier this month, you uh, also made another post that said your book, Black Coffee, Um, You wrote it for the black woman who struggles with asking for help. And this hit home for me because as a black woman, I know how challenging it is to ask for help just in general, rather be with your kids, um, rather it be, you know, hiring an assistant to help you in your business, rather it it be delegating tasks or whatever the case may be. We struggle in general with asking for help. But when it comes to seeking help, to get out of toxic relationships or simply getting advice or therapy to help us manage the relationships that we are currently in. We have a tendency to to hide and duck and feel like as time goes on, we will, um, you know, those dysfunctions will just disappear. So what would you say this avoidance for help stems from? And can you share with us the moment that you knew asking for help was no longer an option? Oh, so that's a great question. So I think that honestly, not asking for help comes from seeing our moms. Mm. So I like this whole thing is so deep. So we it's, it's one or two things. It could be that we grew up in a single parent household where we saw our mother handle it all. Right. Like she didn't ask for help. Um, because she didn't have the help. So mm-hmm. she decided that she would do everything our, herself. So we would see that and we would adopt that um, feature and adopt that tendency. Right. And so um, that's one way. Another thing could just be playing out pride, like thinking that we have it, we can take care of it and being afraid of being rejected. So mm-hmm. if we ask somebody for help and they tell us that they can't do it, then it's like, okay, well, nobody's here to help me. And, you know, I have to do everything by myself. No, you don't have to do everything by yourself. That just might not have been the right person to help Mm -hmm. you. And so for me, I realized that I had come to the end of my rope and needed help when I was on the verge of a mental breakdown um, after uh, my ex-husband left having a two-month-old baby Um, and a four-year-old daughter. So I went to therapy with the two of them with me. My baby was breastfeeding. Um, I was nursing him in the therapy chair. I put the headphones on my baby girl and was like, hey, baby, sit here with mommy and uh, mommy's friend while we have a conversation. Right. So 
I was so desperate, so broken, so ashamed that I had gotten myself to that point. I didn't even tell anybody I was going to therapy. I just went. I knew I had to make that decision, right. not for me, but for my kids. So they can t- couldn't continue to see me in that state of mind. Right. So you mentioned therapy. That's a big one. Even going back to asking for help. When we think about asking for help, we naturally gravitate to the people closest to us. Our moms, our grandmothers, our friends. And a lot of times, especially in the Black community, we disregard the therapy. The therapy could be the help. In a lot of cases, the therapy is the help because you have you're getting an unbiased opinion. Um, someone who is coming in with you know really no immediate context to what has been happening. Um, so sometimes you know it's not going to be the obvious person or people that you run to for the help. It's going to be someone maybe on the outside. So that's definitely a good point you make. But before we move into the next part, I think this is a good part of the conversation to stop and talk about generational curses because you mentioned, you know, um, not asking for help could stem from, you know, watching your mom or pride or shame. Shame is a big one as well. And I think generational curses are, it's one of those conversations that is eerie. Nobody wants to talk about it, obviously, because it's painful. (laughs) So while I see self-love as the foundation of a healthy and happy relationship, I do believe that before self-love can even be, you know, a thing, let alone a priority in someone's life, the underlying root of why self-love is avoided is due to those skeletons or the results of the decisions and examples that are set for us growing up. So I'm going to be pretty transparent here for a second. I do see how the effects of the relationships, the women in my life had, you know, with the men in their lives, how it's playing into the relationships I've had with men then and now. Me too. So from what I saw and understood, the women in my family, they're very, very, very strong, which is common for, you know, African-American families. Um, you know, strong will, you know, the I don't need a man for nothing type of women. Like those are the women <laughs> that I grew up with. And as a matter of fact, I have four aunts. And besides my mom, I don't remember witnessing any of them being in a relationship. Now, granted, I believe a couple of my aunts had been married in the past, but that was obviously long before I was old enough to even understand what was going on. So with that being said, as an adult, I guess I don't necessarily prioritize loving relationships as much as I probably would have if I saw, if it was something I saw more often within my own family, if that makes any sense. So now that I'm aware of it, I do try my best to not just push that area of my life, you know, in the background like I normally would have. You know, I think being aware has kind of provoked me to want to continue to identify where it's hindering me, if you will, and try to break those generational curses. So how did you know or identify the generational curse that was occurring within your family when it came to... Um, You know, maybe your broken marriage or any dysfunctional relationship that you've had in the past? That is a great question. It was through a conversation. Wow. So, wow. (laughs) So, going through divorce, Mm -hmm. I began um, to see patterns like, okay, I I was in a relationship, a marriage for a year and change, a relationship that we were in an on and off relationship for 10 years. Okay. My mother, that was married to my father for 11 years. My mom has two children. I have two children. So I saw a pattern there immediately. Yeah. And so just seeing that off the top 
cause me to just sit down with my own mom and be like, hey, mom, so, you know, what were your relationships like? And what were the relationships of my grandmother like and my great grandmother? And just witnessing the relationships of my aunt um, and cousins and my family starting to put two and two together. Because when you're young, you don't even see those things. No, you don't. When you're young, you just hear you know, you overhear certain things, but when you're younger, you start piecing stuff together. You start um, seeing, you know, what experiences really meant. Like, oh, such and such got a divorce or, you know, auntie such and such wasn't that happy or they argued all the time or he was abusive or, you know what I'm saying? So you really start to piece together mm-hmm. um, your actual life when you're an adult. Right. And um, like I said, just sitting down and talking to my mom because I really wanted to get to the root of it all root of it all because I have a daughter. Yeah. I'm like, okay, if I'm going through this, I don't want Natalie to be going through this. Exactly. Going through what I had gone through. So that was that was it, a conversation. And that's like I said, that's what started me on this whole we need to have a conversation thing because I saw how powerful it was in mm-hmm. my healing process. Wow. Conversation. Y'all heard it. <laughs> that is something I'm telling you. So I also I guess while we're talking about generational curses, I do think it's important to also talk about the side effects, rather it be positive or negative, um, of a father-daughter relationship. Um, While as women, we tend to uh, duplicate the patterns of the women in our family, i.e. our moms, our grandmothers, our aunts, we also deal with or accept dysfunctions that stem from the relationships we have with the men in our lives. Girl, we could talk all day. We might be part two. <laughs> okay, let's do it. So I think I mentioned this. I, I did a episode called Living Single last year sometime. And I want to be honest, that was one of the hardest episodes for me to even do. More so because I don't typically talk about my that side of my life. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely a conversation that was a struggle for me. And I think in that episode, I did kind of touch on the, uh, the, the different parts of the men, the relationships I have with the men in my life. And, and specifically I'm talking about with my dad and my mm-hmm. brother transparency. Again, today was the first day I actually picked up the phone and called my dad in months and really? it was, yeah, it was because it was his birthday today. And I just, I don't know. I had felt the urge just to call him and say happy birthday. Last week, I texted my brother, told him I loved him and that we needed to hang out more this year because even though he's 12 years older than I am, he's married with kids. We also have a very estranged relationship. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe it's because, you know, they don't love me and I don't love them because God knows I do and I know they love me. But we've just become so accustomed to um, being separated to mm-hmm. where it's like if it, if we talk, we do. If we don't, that's fine too. And I feel like that attitude has definitely impacted my desire to be in a relationship because subconsciously I am, I don't think about it. And I feel like if it's non-existent, that's fine because really that's the relationship that I have with the two closest men in my life. You know, it's really non-existent. So it's kind even though I'm not purposely, not dating or not in a relationship or if I start dating someone and it doesn't work out after the first couple of dates, I'm just like, oh, whatever, like move on to the next thing. You know, I kind of have that attitude towards it. So I do see where, you know, the role that they play in my life has also allowed me some of the dysfunctions, even how I allow 
some of my past relationships, just how I'm always trying to convenience that person mm-hmm. or, or if I don't hear, or if they're going through something, I just back away until they get all over it. And when I identified that I was doing those things and how it matched the relationships I had with the men in my, the closest men in my life, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, sis, like we got to do something about this. This is not like, I can't continue to operate like that. So I do think, you know, bringing a, being aware and not being afraid to identify those things that may not be as comfortable, you know, in our generational curses is really how you start to move on from dysfunction. What do you think about that? I am so on board with that. It's yeah. funny because <clears throat> so the first book that I've ever um, co-written uh, was called Daddy Reflections of Father Daughter Relationships. Uh-huh. And so in that book, um, we just we had a uh, event last june Mm -hmm. um here in atlanta and um many women were crying and you know teared up because their relationship with their father was estranged and so in that book i shared how um i was most impacted when i was pregnant with my first daughter like it really dawned on me that my father's absence affected me um and me having a baby girl and him not being there and you know bringing this baby into the world that just I don't know. It just did something to me. I, right. I don't think it was all hormonal, hormonal. I just think it was just like a trickle down effect. Yeah. And so um, I ended that part of that story with me and my now ex-husband getting married and living happily ever after. Oh, and wow. so um, here we are. <laughs> um, what, here we are about six years later after, you know, that book was written in that specific time frame. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about how the absence in my father's life kind of led me on this path of having what I thought was a loving relationship, but really was a dysfunctional relationship. Mm-hmm. So life has a funny way of bringing you full circle. And yes, you are so right that our relationship with our fathers really, really impacts us because oftentimes it is a reflection. Yeah. Um, I was looking for someone to fulfill a void and willing to um, accept any sort of behavior to get that void fulfilled and ended up with someone who was ne- negligent and emotionally abusive and emotionally unavailable. Right. Um, so it, it is important to examine that and be self-aware of that on the healing journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, ladies, if you're listening, it's just as important to identify, you know, those patterns in your relationship to the men's closest to you. You know, if it's not the father, maybe it's the brother. Maybe it's how you interact with the, the men you grew up with that you're friends with, like you just have to really get quiet enough to pay attention to these things because if you don't, it definitely can hinder you in future relationships. So earlier this week, I saw a few headlines about, and I don't know if you saw this, Brie, about actress uh, Niecy Nash. She broke her silence about her divorce to her second husband of eight years. Now, I'm going to be honest, y'all. When I saw the headlines, I was a bit shocked because... I don't follow Nisi closely, but the memories I do have of her and her husband are nothing but like, you know, happy in love. And like, I'm like, okay, you know, it's one of those things where people are like, oh, hashtag relationship goals, which I really don't like, by the way. I cringe when people say that because it got me to thinking about you just never know if couples are truly happy beyond what we see on the outside looking in. So During her speech at Essence Black Women in Hollywood event, she said she walked away from the marriage, even though her family 
was not comfortable seeing her as a single woman. Now, according to page six, she went on to say, quote, there was a huge myth that I inherited from the women in my family, which is you are nothing without a man. Get one, keep one, no matter what, blind, crippled, crazy, married or lazy. Get one, baby girl, because they will validate you, unquote. Oh now, that, Brie, I said... Yeah. Wow. It's it's funny. I saw that right before this conversation because right. this is definitely what your book is about and why these conversations are important. That's an example of generational curses and how we, a lot of times, our actions and how we navigate relationships and the type of men we even look for and the type of quote unquote white picket fence life we look for stems from beliefs that we don't even know why we believe it in, in the first place. Exactly. So what Nisi expressed during his speech is a prime example of the common yet widely accepted norms that have become a part of what women have accepted, yet the conversation is still so very limited. So does your book go into how to navigate the decision of the decision to override these kind of myths, such as staying in it just for the sake of public image or history with someone um, does your book go into that a little bit? Because I know there are a lot of women out there in marriages, in situationships where they're just in it because they've been with that person since high school or their parents really love the person they're with. So they don't really want to shake that up too bad. Do you give any type of tips in your book on this and, and how to navigate this? I do, actually. So <clears throat> the way that my book is broken up, too, I, I I start off in a therapy chair in the beginning. I talk about my first experience in therapy. And then what I do is I break it up, um, basically talking about the three different women mm -hmm. who have influenced my perception of love um, throughout my life. Right. And um, in between those stories are still therapy sessions. And I talk about what I've learned from each story. Um, and I'm journaling about my thoughts. Okay. And so in one of those sections, I talk about how I did not want to be perceived as a single woman, like as mm. a poor, pitiful single mom, because, you know, even though some people might not say it, and even though now the single mom is, you know, supported and stuff like that, there's still sometimes this look on people's face. And I, I just didn't want to have that. Yeah. So I'm willing to stay in a dysfunctional relationship if it meant me having the image of being, you know, black wives matter yeah. or you know, relationship goals when the whole time I'm suffering. So I do provide points on how to navigate that type of mindset, how to overcome those limiting beliefs, how to walk away when the relationship is killing you from the inside oh out. God. Absolutely. Oh my <laughs> God. Wow. So th this is right on time, girl. Oh my goodness. Yes. So for the woman who is out there battling with the decision to stay or leave, and find that self-love that we talked about today and in the past episode. I guess I want to find out what what would you have told yourself 10 years ago before you got into the, the marriage or the divorce? What What piece of advice, if you could go back, what piece of advice would you have wanted someone to tell you to help you to one- navigate and, and identify that there was dysfunction or two, how to remove yourself from that situation. What is one piece of advice that you would have wanted someone to tell you? I would have wanted my 32 year old self to tell my 22 year old self to live your life. 
Okay. Um, because we are so caught up in this, go to high school, go to college, find your man, get married. No. <laughs> like, I understand that for some people that's the blueprint and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But I think for most of us, we need a period of time to where we're actually getting to know ourselves. Oh because my God, yes. I think, I think that the number one reason for divorce is not miscommunication. It's not financial issues. It's because people don't know who they are. So they're marrying, uh, it's two people who don't know who they are in a marriage. So you're marrying the uh, facade of somebody else. Oh my God. marrying the facade of you. So if you genuinely know knew who you were, what you valued and what your boundaries are and what you're willing to accept, Mm-hmm. Then it would be so much easier. Very so much true. Easier. Very uh, true. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I just want to add another ca- caveat as well. I think that um, people should go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Like people, I think our community, especially the African-American community, they think, you know, when therapy is thrown in the conversation, what's wrong with you? Right. Nothing, Nothing is wrong with me. I just know that I want, you know, some outside opinions outside of advice um for someone that may be not in my immediate circle so I think that going to therapy is super beneficial absolutely and and I think that's a great point to end on live your life while I do know that in this season I do believe that it's time for me to step into the whole dating space I am very aware of what I will accept and what I won't. And I do think that, you know, God is strategic. I, I do think that he's kept me so busy doing everything else. So I didn't have a choice but to get to know me to the point mm-hmm. that I do now. Because mm-hmm. if I didn't, I would have been accepting all sorts of stuff. Granted, yeah. I did in some of my dating experiences. But I feel like now in this season, I've spent a lot of alone time. I have... I've I've had a long time, not just from relationships, but from friendships sometimes and, you know, um, shaking off dead weight from relationships I've had since high school with just people in general and just knowing what I want in life. Because if you don't know who you are, you won't know where you're headed. And if you don't know where you're headed, you won't know if if John over there is, is right for you. Or wrong for you. You get what I'm saying? And those things only come when you spend time with you. And I do think that is a big thing in our society with our women is that there's such a huge hunger for wanting to just be with someone. Um, Wanting to be the hashtag relationship goals that we forget that there's just as much value in spending a year or two by yourself and just focusing on being a better mom or being a better person on your job or being, you know, whatever the case may be. I think we put less emphasis on that self-love and that that the, the importance of spending that time alone and how valuable that is and how big of a role that plays when we decide to enter into a relationship, into a marriage, into a situationship. It's just, it's so important. So I think that's a great point to end on is, is ladies, men, gentlemen, live your life. Live your life. Everything happens for a reason. Timing is everything. I always share this scenario that, you know, our life is like a map and God is the GPS. He knows, he knows before we turn on this street, which street we're going to turn on. And so we just allow ourselves to live. We'll get to that relationship one day. We'll get to that happy place one day. But in the meantime, life isn't less valuable because you're single. 
Absolutely. You're not less valuable because you've been divorced. You're not less valuable because right now it's just you and the kids. That's what it's supposed to be right now. So I think that this is definitely a conversation that is long overdue. And I want you guys to go and get Bree's book, Black Coffee. Go follow her on Instagram. I'm going to have the link to her book. I'm going to have the link to her website. I'm going to have the link to her social media. She is definitely one to follow because the conversation that Bree is having right now is so critical. It's so timely. And I'm just excited to see what you do next, girl. I'm like, I'm so excited. So do you have any last words that you want to share before we wrap things up? Yeah. So first, I want to thank you again for having me. It's just a pleasure to talk to another Black woman who's doing great things, who's self-aware, self-confident, and in a a positive space um, in her life. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, Another thing, I guess one last thing that I do want to pinpoint is let's stop focusing on trying to be the best wife or the best mom but let's focus on trying to be the best woman Ooh, because yeah. when you're the best woman possible, all of those other things will fall in place. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think that was one of the most important things for me to discover. Like these other roles are great. Like being a mom is great. Being a wife is great. Being a sister and a friend are great, but I cannot forget about the woman that I was specifically placed on this world or in this world to be like, I'm, I have purpose outside of my role. Yes. So that's the last piece of advice that I would like for women to consider, because when you settle down with somebody else, like you are both on a journey to becoming the best versions of yourself. Yes. So you got your stuff together. He got his stuff together. Then y'all can do that journey together. Absolutely. Perfect advice. So Bree, tell the listeners where they can connect with you, um, how they can find you on social media. And if you have anything coming up that you would like to share, go ahead. Floor is yours. Yeah. So um, on Instagram and Facebook, I am under written. That's W-R-I-T-T-E-N-B-Y. Bree, that's B-R-E-E. Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N. Um, my website is BreeJGordon.com. And that's B-R-E-E-J Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N.com. Um, I do have um, an event coming up in Ridgeland, South Carolina, which is a very, very, very small town yes. near Savannah, Hilton Head, Beaufort, um, and Bluffton area. Okay. Um, it's called Her Story. It's a space for um, women, creatives, authors, um, and speakers. We'll basically be sharing our stories for Women's History Month. Awesome. And then have a book signing here in Atlanta on March the 21st. Awesome. So the event in South Carolina is March 14th, but the event here in Atlanta is March the 21st. Awesome. Perfect. So I'll be sure to leave all of that information, you guys, down in the description. Go follow Bree. Go let her know what you thought about the episode today. But more importantly, you guys, share this conversation. Don't keep this to yourself. Share it with the sister. We all know someone that needs to hear this. So rather you share it publicly on your Facebook page or slide in somebody's DM, share this conversation because this is what's going to impact not just women, but people in general. And so make sure you share the episode. If you have not done so yet, make sure you are subscribed to the show because 
We've got a lot of cool episodes coming up, especially in March for Women's History Month. So you do not want to miss it. You can do that at tabletalkwithtati.com. You can also catch up on past episodes there as well. Thank you again, Bree, for joining us. I'm, I'm so thankful for your time. Your conversation was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And I will talk to you guys in the next episode.